Hello. Welcome to Public Affairs and WRBH. I'm Lynn Koppel, and today we're going to talk about a very difficult subject, something which we all probably, unfortunately, know something about, but we're going to hear perhaps some difficult things about mm-hmm. it, aren't we, Ms. Parks? Definitely. I'm joined by Faisé Parks, who is from Melbourne, Australia. Correct. And has is trying to work to combat this problem and is going to tell us about what what her experiences have been in Australia and what's going on perhaps in New Orleans soon. Thank you so much for coming on, Ms. Parks. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Okay. I am, uh, I always inform people that I'm a global citizen mm-hmm. and that we literally live a interconnected life. Well, of and, course. And... And we, when we see some injustice, we have to be unconstrained as the wind. Mm-hmm. In my case, I've had major roadblocks in my life from cancer, from my own personal life, which was a domestic violence of 23 years, mm-hmm. where nil access was given to the, chi- to the father of the child. So it could, you could just imagine how intense it was. Yes, like. yes. And uh, so therefore, when you have these kind of roadblocks in your life, you Learn to to surmount them for start, and then you learn in turn to help others as a result. So in this country, when I came in New Orleans, when I came, I saw evidence or heard evidence firsthand that a child was held was uh, heard screaming okay. in their house at two in the morning, <clears throat> and. Uh, by their neighbors, and the neighbors had kind of failed to inform the police. Now, for me, that I then take immediate mm-hmm. uh, uh, action because there's a song by Babyface called How Come, How Long? I remember my daughter sent it to me, gave it to me mm-hmm. as my one and only CD. And she said, um, listen to it carefully, Mom. And the message was, if neighbors, if the neighbors around you can hear knocking on, you know, that you're something's happening in someone's home, the neighbors have to take action. And Babyface song says that precisely, that the girl might be educated. And trust me, most of the girls or the men who are abused are educated, but they're not educated in life skills. So when they, when violence occurs, no one responds. So in this case, when I heard the story of a child screaming at milk night, my first call was start the project. Good idea. Do something that's going to dramatically change uh, Mm -hmm. even New Orleans and Melbourne because we're going to do it in Melbourne. Well, you know, it is a problem, Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of the most dangerous problems we have. I know anyone who has had to deal with a domestic abuse situation knows fraught, bad things occur. But also... The neighbors, and and you're so, of course, completely correct, it's embarrassing. How do you confront this? There are people who say, well, I think something's going on, but I don't want to get involved. It's, you know, it'll be so embarrassing. How can I talk about I know there's fear of retaliation. Fear of retaliation is one of the major problems. And that is because the abuse is so strong that the people are scared to approach that person up front. But so here I am. 
I've been given the opportunity, sure. thank you very much, to voice that their concerns and to voice concerns of any person, particularly the child, which is my concern. You know, that's an interesting turn on it, too. We often think of husband, wife, who's getting abused? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I have had, I thank God, mm-hmm. had a wonderful marriage, no abuse for me, <laughs> but <laughs> have known people who've been in abusive situations. Mm-hmm. Often, the person who's being abused is hesitant to speak up of course. until it gets to a Well, even if it does get to a perfectly horrible situation, and the abuser is always, what? Oh, you know, denies it. And, of course, the outsider is forced to be, oh, well, I'm sorry about that. And I've known when people do bring it forward, like call Mm -hmm. the police, you Mm -hmm. hear something going on, someone runs outside hollering, and there's a big fight in the yard— you say, well, this seems wow. very dangerous. Maybe we should call the police. Yeah. And the police have come, and everybody says, nope, <laughs> nothing here to see. Trust me. Go away. And, of course, the police are, you know, what are they? What can they possibly do? They have nothing, you know, they might ask. And I think police, and perhaps you can speak to this, mm-hmm. are getting much better informed about how do you deal with this? What do we do? Mm-hmm. There have to be rules. But you, you're going to tell us about something about that and what perhaps yeah. your suggestions might be. That's so, so true. You know what? First of all, we all have to be defenders of the little ones. Of course. My focus today is really the children. Well, that's what I was going to bring yeah. up, that this is an interesting, different look at it. And perhaps if people thought first about the child, Mm -hmm. say, oh my goodness, think about what it must be to be a child living in a situation that gets to this point. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, in USA, I looked at the statistics here, and they say 90%, 1 in 15 children are exposed each year. Oh my goodness. And 90% are witnesses to this violence. So they're there in the front line with their mother or their father observing this. And you know what? I don't know whether you're fully cognizant of the fact that 20 people per minute are physically, physically abused. We're not talking about emotionally or uh, all the other uh, abuses. No, 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 calling you a name. No, No, it's different. Are uh, affecting them in the USA. And that means in, in a year, that would be over 10 million or more men and women who are abused. And and you're talking this about is statistics. A, a really hard physical thing, not just imaginary, not imaginary uh-uh. abuse. There is no imaginary abuse, but where a person feels, oh, I'm feeling so bad. No, no this no. is actual. We're talking about real severe, and this yes. is where the recording comes from. The statistics, mm-hmm. the USA statistics, focuses on those times where they've actually seen that the, they've gone to the police and been recorded. Okay. For me, the police are the key. As you can see, there's a band on my hand, which mm-hmm. is the police band. Okay, it's a blue band. It's with, a blue band with a police logo. Mm-hmm. And this is the logo for in Australia they, they use. Now, it's interesting to note that the, um, my uh, one of my collaborators for this project is a forensic cop. Oh, well, that's but that's good. This person understands how it works yep. on that end. His name is Dean Lamont, and mm-hmm. he is he's seen the worst of the violence. Oh, gosh. So and he, being a forensic cop, he sees mm-hmm. the end results of the violence mm-hmm. towards children. And so therefore, even he when he came, when he suggested that he would like to collaborate with me on this project, this photographic project, he was 
like, you know what, I'm going to make it a bit lighthearted because focusing on that is quite intense. Oh, yes. I mean, it's been perfectly terrible for anyone to so, see or think about. Exactly. So as a result, for example, he, I mean, every, uh, I haven't actually spoken about the project itself, mm-hmm. but it's a photographic, it's going to be a photographic project, mm-hmm. and it's going to go over multimedia uh Events. Mm-hmm. So I might be right. I'm writing a book. Okay. I'm doing a documentary. We're doing postcards. Uh, the photographic exhibition will be held in 2020. Okay. So we're not only hitting uh, Australia, but we're hitting New Orleans. Good. And hopefully around the world. Because having said that, something occurred to me that yesterday alone I received a a, a post on my Facebook saying I'm a young lady. My name is Despina. Mm. I'm a young lady, I'm 28 years old, and I was abused. I was, I was abused. Yes. And, and from childhood. And even when my father died, we were told to keep silent about it. Oh, yes. Very, very strong. Because they're in the Greek community, <clears throat> and he said, even mm. when the police were called in, they couldn't do anything about mm-hmm. it. So coming back to the police, in Australia, at the very beginning, when I was going through it, mm-hmm. Uh, the response was, we can't really do anything. They'd come to the door, and I, for a start, was ashamed. So sure. I wasn't, I was saying, everything's okay. And then later on, I became stronger. And that's why I have the band, the pink band, on, the <laughs> red band on my hand, which says, it ain't weak to speak. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good uh, motto. <laughs> you know, it really is. Yeah. Uh, and that you're not letting people down. You're not yeah. uh, going to step back. True. You have to speak up for yourself when mm-hmm. the time comes. Mm-hmm. So I have these three bands on my hands all the time. One Good. is the police, mm-hmm. so that uh, anyone who approaches me remembers. In mm-hmm. fact, as you might have noticed, as I walked in, sure. what did my T-shirt say? <laughs> no excuse for abuse. Well, No excuse. It means there's no excuse. Yeah. And those three bands as I have is a reminder that there is no excuse. So the first band is the police, that when you're in trouble, go with the police because they're now available, especially in, I checked your Louisiana laws mm-hmm. and realized that the, they are, the police are the forefront in New Orleans. You're okay. very lucky. Well, very yeah. lucky. And um, then the other band I have, which is the it ain't uh, weak to speak <laughs> is a funny one, but well, it is literally funny. a lot of people are scared to speak. Of course, of course. Speak up. Yeah. Voice. Voice that I've heard something even. Even neighbors oh, are yes. afraid to speak. Well, it's, you know, and what is upsetting is sometimes it's not really a physical fear. It's you're embarrassed. Oh, how embarrassing that I'm living, you know. Perhaps I know these people. Perhaps I've socialized with them. I know their children. Correct. And yet you feel, I mean, I I think I've seen this in mm-hmm. the past, but you're right. You know, sometimes I think you've seen something that's interesting is by turning it and looking at the children, it's a little different. Two adults. Yep. Perhaps people Hello, will they say, can grow up. Yep. whatever you, whatever, you know, whatever goes on, you yep. can, you're, you're both grown-ups. Yeah. You can deal with it. <laughs> That's true. But what's the missing part? The missing part is the child. And I had once tell, mentioned to one person who was abusing their child, oh, abusing the family, of and therefore course, the child, the whole thing. I said, 
do whatever you have to do. Be drunk if you have to be drunk. But you know what? When you're in that position, I'm not going to judge you, be in that position, but spare the child. Yeah. For me, the child, you see, my belief system is such that it says that children are the most precious jewels a community can possess. Yes. For in them are the promise and guarantee of the future. So forget the abuser, he's gone. But the impact on the child will be horrendous. And of course, they're trapped. They're like prisoners. <laughs> Presumably, in most situations, though this is not true of all situations, the adults in the situation are free actors. Mm-hmm. In other words, if if something is horrible, it is possible to leave. And there are certainly a lot of uh, charities, people who will help you with leaving whoever leaves and whatever happens. But the child can't leave. In other they words, can't. no one can walk. The seven-year-old cannot walk out of the or house. Or the three-year-old. Or the three. Or the oh, two-year-old. Yes. They can't. They just observe something. Even, yeah. you know what? People sometimes don't realize that's a simple, simple thing like, I recall in my own life, mm-hmm. I don't really want to talk about my life, but no, in my own life, not. if an animal <laughs> is hurt, the, the abuser hurts the animal, mm. it's a sign that... I'm going to damage the, your property, what you like and you love. So yeah. sometimes I remember that, let's say, our dog was kicked. Oh, now, goodness, yeah. It was because I was showing affection to the dog and not to my partner. Yes. And so, therefore, the dog was kicked as a retaliation to watch it, girl. The chances are that you'll be next in line. Well, also to hurt you mm-hmm. by hurting something that you love or that you care for. No, I mean... It, as I say, the the thought about thinking about children who are in situations where there is abuse going on, that really kind of pushes it up a notch. Like, mm-hmm. as I say, two adults, you know, that's it. But a child, children who are trapped, I mean, it, it's a horrible, horrible They're thought. Done. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I also uh, say that it's very difficult for the for the whoever is being abused mm-hmm. because that person goes through what they call a honeymoon phase. So after the the abuse, mm-hmm. uh, everything, it actually messes up the child's mind because they look at the abuse happening. Next minute, they see the, uh, uh, the mother is okay with it yes. because the father has, for example, might have gotten her some flowers and appeased her. But the child hasn't seen that. Just suddenly sees the mother is happy again. And this is called the honeymoon phase. The phase where the, tr- tr- uh, the trauma occurs and then the husband or the wife apologizes. And therefore, you go then into the cycle. It's called a cycle, the honeymoon cycle. So you, you peak. So you have, uh, it builds up to violence or physical, uh, emotional, verbal abuse, you name it, even financial control and isolation. Uh, Many times, uh, you know, my neighbors would drive around. I mean, Mm -hmm. my my neighbors would come to visit me, but my husband would drive around the property to say, go away to them. Oh, goodness, yes. So uh, isolation is also key. And as a result, what happens is that the the child is stuck in the home, seeing they have no one to, to talk to, and voice their opinion to, and all they know is that their mother or their father's happy because 
They're in their honeymoon phase. You know, too, think about what this must do, and I'm sure you have thought about this in great length, and psychiatrists have. What is that teaching the child? By the way, my father is a psychiatrist. Well, I'm sure he's (laughs) talked to you about it. Think about what that, and ask him, what does that teach the child about relationships? Correct. Where, how should I, in other words, I, I suppose people have to model. If you're a child, you model. Yeah. And usually we say, in other words, the child models the relationship that he's close to, which would be his parents, how do you model a relationship that's completely (laughs) incomprehensible, crazy? And you know what? This is where it becomes intergenerational. Sure. So you see uh, families. I I do recall uh, the the judge was telling Mm -hmm. me and the the child's solicitor was telling me that, and the barrister was saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know what happens here is that you have to be very, very careful that you don't repeat this because it will be repeated in what has happened in your ex's life was because of his parents and grandparents. So can you imagine that kind of intergenerational violence occurring? And then you're now, you've been involved and you can see that, I mean, I have to admit that I I thought, oh my gosh, I'm... I'm alone by myself, but you know what? There are hundreds around you, but we're not, we don't have access to them. And and I went to Japan, for example, I was in Japan talking about domestic violence. And I noticed that the, uh, they had built these beautiful houses, um, uh, apartments Mm -hmm. with television. You know how the Japanese are, immaculate, everything was beautiful. And then I turned around and I said, why aren't these, these women or men coming out of their rooms and talking to the other people who are, who've been abused. They go, no, we don't want that to happen because it will distress them. Yeah. I said, no, no, no. Isolation, you feel alone anyway. And for you, you're duplicating that. And they said, we never thought about it. Oh, goodness. So this whole OITA, um, mayoral office, mm-hmm. was like, we've never thought about that that women or men have to talk to each other if they've been abused. So it's like a support group, a domestic violence support group where you can talk to each other because the children are the ones that are going to suffer. You know, that's so correct. And as you say, a support group to know what I'm going through might be individual because it's mm-hmm. each thing is different. But on the other hand, perhaps by discussing something, I mean, any we've always found that with support groups is mm-hmm. it helps you to work through whatever the problem is, and kind of <laughs> might not solve the problem, but it certainly will help you to deal with it. You know what? It is, first of all, to, for, for women or men to get to that stage of going to a support group is, mm-hmm. is quite difficult because they don't acknowledge themselves. Sure. I mean, I didn't even know I was going through it personally. I was, I, my, because I was told that you're, uh, you've lived with a silver spoon in your mouth. Because I had come from an educated background where my father was a psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. my mother was a teacher. And so, therefore, it was like your life was sweet. His wasn't. Mm -hmm. His was intergenerationally abusive. So when he says, he said to me, you are, you are, um, you have a silver spoon in your mouth and you don't know what real violence is or when he hit or strike or strangle or call names, he would say, you don't 
know what real beating is. Oh, goodness, so yes. you, it means that there was a level which I didn't know of. <laughs> Thank so, goodness. So yeah. therefore, I was thinking, oh, I have lived a too good a life, apparently, because this is not real life. And do you think that perhaps think about children coming uh-huh. out with this and other and grown-ups that that's a usual thing in other words one strikes out it upsets me to think about society as a whole i find that there are many we see a lot of individuals who strike out at people mm-hmm. and of course if you're brought up in a situation where the normal thing is to strike someone or to scream at someone or to yeah. push someone or to damage them somehow, yeah. that goes into the larger society. So it's not it's not a strictly home based it doesn't <gasps> stay. Oh in my the home. God, you got you you have knocked it on the head, as they uh, say in Australia. Well, <laughs> it is not home based. And and in my particular case, they realized that at his workplace there was violence. He was kicking desks and he oh, was goodness. shouting abuse to people. Yeah. And they put him on a plane and they threw him off the plane. They asked him to leave because mm-hmm. he had gone. They didn't want him in the company. Mm-hmm. So you have that kind of uh, events occurring where you have no, uh, you realize that it was not just home-based. Then I recall that the headmaster of in, in England mm-hmm. contacted the judge and said that, we have uh, we have evidence uh, rec- records that my vice principal and I have records that this young man was abusive and he used to from childhood. Yes. we have it and we have expelled him numerous times. Mm. So you can see that it wasn't home based. The person was violent at school. They were violent at work. They were violent as a child and brought up in a situation where they didn't know of any other pattern of living. That's the yeah. crux. And therefore, the only thing they could do is to hit, or not hit physically, well, but... Well, kick, a, a physical... No, not even physical. I'm yeah. saying that the yeah. idea of hitting meant that the only way that they could strike anything in their mm-hmm. heads was that they have to be emotionally violent, they have to be uh, physically violent, they have to be financially violent. People go, How? what do you mean financially? Can a person <laughs> yeah, be financial? Yeah. Yeah. It's when... It's when your credit cards are taken away from you. Oh, yeah. It's when you know you're living on a shoestring budget. But mm. you know that you're the earner. You've actually done the earning. Yeah. I used to be the biggest earner. I was what they call uh, rank Xerox's top salesperson, <laughs> executive. Okay. So I was honors club. So I was earning the money and yet... Couldn't use it. Couldn't use it, except for him to complete his... Uh, uh, photography, f- complete his aircraft engineering, to complete his uh, commercial pilots. Oh, I mean, you yeah. name it, those were used for that. And it wasn't used for the children. The children who were the primary focus, are, should have been our primary focus, if I yes. believe that children are the most precious yeah, jewels. Right. They were deprived. And so they were deprived. In fact, in my particular court case, the, the my Youngest child was called the nougat kid. Nougat. Have you heard of the word no, nougat? No, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> nougat is a chocolate. Oh, the chocolate. Nougat. Okay. okay. And God, yes. the, the, the uh, uh, barrister for the child and the solicitor called him the nougat child because for them, he was a child that if the family ate 
the father's chocolate or nougat piece, last, na- last nougat piece, there would be pandemonium in the household. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? You for know, a piece of should... chocolate, for a piece of chocolate, you can have violence over it. Oh, goodness. You know, look what time it is. Oh, wow. This has been such an interesting talk. We've just not been watching the time. Tell us a little bit more about when do you think your project is going to become public? Okay. First of all, the whole topic, which I, I might yes. have missed out on, is called Inappropriate Distractions, okay. which is a photographic exhibition. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be, um, as I mentioned, in 2020. Okay. And I've had the help of three outstanding people. One is Lisa Liggett, whose home I'm residing in, mm-hmm. and who has provided all the furnishings for the photographic exhibition, mm-hmm. uh, because it is confined in that particular house. Okay. All the pictures were taken in that particular mm-hmm. house. And she's one of the photographers. And so is a gentleman called Josh Vine. Mm-hmm. And he's a New, uh, he's a Mel, uh, New Orleanian okay. young photographer. <laughs> and he's keen to do that. And also Dean Lamont, who is my collaborator in oh, Australia. Right. And, and he has come up with some interesting quips. I think I, I sent you a particular uh, cute photo of me in, in a hurricane hat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and he said, for example, for that one, you could say, shower me with love. And I, my position is in the bath because mm-hmm. when a hurricane occurs, you're in the bath. <laughs> okay. So I, he said, say something like, shower me with love and not domestic violence. Okay. Or let's come clean on DV, domestic violence, and make sure it is all washed up. So these are going to be some quips, or I do know that I have got one particular picture of your sewage system. What's that sewage beautiful thing that you have? Oh, the top of the yeah. uh, yes, uh huh. And and he he can so the photograph will be semi nude of me, but then against it will be something like you know sewage is preferable than domestic violence stench stench, or or. Uh, 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 let's meter DV. Let's meter DV and reduce the drain. Tell us, though, when will it be? In other words, will we be able to see it? Will it be on exhibit? In yes, different places? it will. Be, as I mentioned, it is going to be uh, in 2020. We're uh, getting ready with the scheduling uh-huh. of different exhibitions of different places where we can exhibit. So mm-hmm. it'll be both in New Orleans and in, in Australia. Yeah. So there will be places where in 2020, when we have all the sh- uh, uh, venues scheduled mm-hmm. properly intact, I will definitely come back and I will discuss it with you. Well, I hope you'll come back here and talk to us on, on WRBH, but also do send your information to mm-hmm. us because we read a uh, the news releases that we get, the PSAs all the time, and this would be an interesting thing. It's such a worldwide, now we know it's a worldwide thing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. The time has just flown by. Well, <laughs> Ms. Parks, yes. thank you for coming on and talking to us about this wonderful project you have. Please spare the children. That's my yes. last uh, line. And as my best friend says, Lisa Liggett, she says, always end with cheerio. <laughs> Be very British. Say cheerio and do a roll of the uh, what's that? Head roll. Head roll. <laughs> so I can't do either, but... <laughs> well, no one you. can see us both. Yeah. But thank but you thank so you much. Very. This has been Public Affairs on WRBH. Thanks for listening.